Welcome to the World Challenge Pulpit Series. I'm Gary Wilkerson, and we're continuing our series on the book of Psalm. We're in Psalm chapter 11 today, and the title of my message today is In the Dark, In the Dark. And I have three points I want to bring to your attention today is when you find yourself in times of darkness, trials, tribulations, sufferings, and sorrows. Number one is, where is God? What are the circumstances that you find yourself in the darkness? Where is God when you find yourself in these places? Number two is, how do we call on God when we're in the dark? And number three is God's commitment to us when we're in the dark. So Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, enliven these words, give me grace to speak your heart and touch hearts today that are in that moment of time, that season of time of darkness, and these fierce arrows are coming against them and they need your help. So provide, give that great help today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's look at the 11th chapter here. To the choir master of David, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mount? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrows to the string to shoot in the dark. That's where we get our title of today's message. To shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's a very well-known passage of scripture. We'll talk about that today as well. Verse four, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked, the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and scorching wind shall be their portion in their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Starts with a problem, ends with a promise. First thing I want to talk about is the circumstances that David finds himself in, and these are probably circumstances that we might face ourselves as well. Verse 2 says, For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrows to the string to shoot in the dark. First thing we see about David, and oftentimes the first thing we see about our life, is there are seasons of darkness where we don't understand the way ahead, where we don't really see the light of his countenance, where we're looking for the face of God to shine on us. We feel emotionally drained. We feel circumstantially confused. We feel overwhelmed by the dark season that we find ourselves in. Uh, when I, it was years ago, studying biblical counseling at seminary, um, but the professor there began to tell his own personal story, and it was very heartbreaking. But as a small child, he was quite overweight and had some features. He talked about the size of his nose, things like that, and it caused all the other children in school to ridicule and mock him and make fun of him and abuse him. And that was his dark night. That was, that was one of the things he had to face from very early childhood. And many people have that. They have to face something, not just when they're old or not just a, a marriage problem or a health problem, but even in the early development stages of life, a, a, a father who abandons you, a mother who abuses you, a situation that's like this, being bullied in school. And you find that you are in this dark time of your life. Oftentimes, if you have a faith in God, as David did, he said, I'll cry. He said in the beginning of this, I'll take uh, refuge in you, Lord. So David had this place to go in his darkness. And many of you listening to my voice today have that place to go in your darkness. But here's where it really gets tough. Here's where suffering really comes in. Here's where pain seems to be multiplied oftentimes in our life is when we're in that dark season and we begin to cry out to the Lord, Lord, I need to take refuge in you. I need to find a way of escape in you. I need to get out of this darkness, out of this bullying, out of this difficult, abusive situation. How do I get out of it? As I begin to take refuge in the Lord. But what happens sometimes in our life is when we take refuge in the Lord, our expectation is to see the light immediately. 
But oftentimes we're not only left in that darkness, but things can tend to get worse. He says here, not only is he in the dark, but they have fitted their arrows to the string to shoot at them in the dark, at the upright in heart. He wasn't being shot at. He wasn't being in the dark. He wasn't placed in this darkness because of uh, of, uh, an unrighteousness in his heart or of his behavior or some sinful actions in his life. No, he was upright in heart and yet he still found himself in this dark place. And I think that's even more troubling for us. If, if we were unrighteous, if we had lived in sin, if we had committed grievous acts against people or the Lord, we would expect to be in darkness. We would expect arrows to be shot at us. But what about when we're living a holy life? What about when we're praying? What about when we're seeking the Lord's face and we still find ourselves in this place of darkness? This is what David is crying out to the Lord. And he's, so, he's not, so he's not only in darkness, but now he's being shot at. And my professor told the story, not only was he in the darkness as a child being ridiculed and mocked, but his father, wanting to kind of toughen him up, sent him to summer camp. And at summer camp, the camp counselors there began to sexually abuse him. And not only sexually abuse him, but mock and ridicule and threaten him. And he spent a whole summer in anguish and fear and, and, and a literal torment that, that uh, caused grievous things to take place later in his life where he joined... Uh, a, a gang and he joined he got involved in crime and got involved in drugs and in drug sales and got involved in prison and and uh, you know it all started from this this season of darkness that got even worse in his life turned into him being in a place of, of being shot at in the dark now what do you do when you're there this this happened in my own family my grandmother um, she was a, such a sweetheart she was she would be the picture of somebody you'd want as a grandmother baking cookies for you. And I remember her sitting in a rocking chair she had in her front porch with her Bible open. And other times I would knock on the door and she'd say, come in and she'd be uh, kneeling down in her living room on the couch praying. She was just such a sweet, godly, a very little woman. And, and, uh, but yet she was in this time of darkness as well. She had a husband, my grandfather, who drank uh, quite s- seriously to the point of, of uh, getting abusive uh, towards my grandmother and he would hit her and he would yell at her and scream at her and uh, accuse her and when she'd go to church and he would mock and ridicule her until finally one day he got saved but you know at first she was in darkness but then she went through a long season it took many many years bef- until he came to Christ but in that meantime it seemed like she went from being in the darkness to being shot at with these arrows so what do we do so the first one is our circumstances what are the circumstances of being in the dark the second thing is, what do we do when we're in the dark? And that's what I call the, the, the calling of, out to God in the darkness. Verse 1 says, in the Lord I take refuge. He, he, he's crying out to God. All of this psalm here is a cry of his heart to God. I'm taking refuge in the Lord. In other words, I have some longings. I have some desires. I have some passions. And I want the Lord to, to meet those needs. Otherwise, there's a danger and a risk when you're in that dark place and you're in a place of arrows being shot at you, you're going to want to get relief. And you can, uh, at those points, if you're not careful, turn to the wrong sources. You can turn to drugs, alcohol, immoral sexuality. You can find all kinds of ways, even could be ways that don't seem quite so sinful, but nonetheless uh, are the same, uh, from the same root of trying to get refuge in something other than the Lord. It could be becoming successful. It could be becoming famous. It could be becoming rich. These are longings of the heart that you have you think that if I get this thing, that will help cover the pain of the darkness that I live in. I'm longing to, be, to escape the pain of the arrows. And trying to escape the pain of the arrows, maybe I'll 
I'll subdue that pain by medicating it. Maybe I'll subdue it by spending money. Maybe I'll do it by eating and drinking and uh, bringing pleasure uh, through worldly uh, activities in my life. And none of that works. It actually makes the, the arrows worse. It pierces your soul and your heart. The darkness increases even more, but it's not a kind of darkness that's a test. It's a kind of darkness that leads you into temptation and then gives you the, uh, a false sense of fulfillment in that temptation. And so our longings can only be met in the Lord. And that's why David says it so profoundly here. I love that he starts this whole chapter with this word, in the Lord I take refuge. I'll take refuge in nothing else but in the Lord in himself. But here he is, he's saying in verse one, I take refuge in the Lord. But even in the midst of taking refuge in the Lord, he understands that he's still going to have some dark seasons, that he's still going to have some arrows flung at him, that he's still going to have to stand in the midst of these trials and temptations that come into his life and not look to any other source, not to look to any other refuge than the Lord himself. And he says in here, verse 1, In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to the mountain? How can I escape to other things? Uh, But here's what the Lord's saying to him. And, and I believe it's the Lord, because he's saying here, in the Lord I take refuge, comma, how can you, speaking of, of the Lord, it wasn't speaking to the enemy, he wasn't speaking to his own soul, I believe he was speaking to the Lord. How can you, Lord, I'm taking refuge in you, and now when I come to you, you're saying to my soul, you're saying to me, flee like a bird. Are you telling me to run away from my problems? No. Are you telling me to escape through using other uh, sources of trying to find life and remedy of my problems? No, he's not saying that. What is he saying? Flee like a bird to David's saying, you you told me to flee like a bird to your mountain, to come to the mountain that you have for me, to come to that high place you have for me, to come to that place of access to the throne room of grace that you have for me. That's what the Lord's saying. Flee, not run away from your problems, but run into the things that the Lord has for you. That's the way we can can find out. That's how we can worship in the midst of our worst moments. We can find worship there when we run to the Lord, when we flee to the Lord, Uh, from the other things in our our life. He goes on to say in verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, oftentimes this passage of Scripture is used on a national or political level. If the nation is beginning to crumble, if certain immoral uh, aspects of life are penetrating society, and that if and righteous people are being diminished and persecuted and laws are being passed against the church and against godly people, that, then this passage is used, what are, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? But in the context of the scripture, it would appear to me this passage of scripture is, is a whole lot more personal than it is national or political. It's very personal. He's saying if, if the foundations of my life are destroyed by these arrows, or destroyed by the season of darkness, if, if the faith that I have gets destroyed, if my faith is torn down, if my hope gets crushed, if the upright are in the dark and are shot by arrows and, and, that's, and we have no place to flee, then what hope do we have? And so he's echoing the first verse by saying, my only hope is in the Lord. Uh, my, own, my only promise, if, if the foundation of these things in my life are destroyed, I have to run back to the Lord. Once again, I have to flee to the Lord again because my faith is being weakened and my, my hope is being diminished and my heart is breaking from all these problems that I'm having in my life. The foundations are being destroyed. What hope do we have? Now, he goes on to give an answer, which I'm so grateful for. He doesn't leave you in that place of darkness. He doesn't leave you with arrows being shot at you. He gives you hope. 
What's going on in this dark hour? Verse 4 begins to describe it to us, and it's the commitment that the Lord makes to us. And this is my last point, the commitment the Lord makes to us, or the covenant the Lord makes to us. Verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of men. Verse 5, the Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. One is terrified, the other is tested. The people of God are tested through this dark night of the soul. The people of God are tested when these arrows fling against us. But you know what that test does? It shows us how to run over troops, how to leap over walls and run through troops. It teaches us how to, as the Bible says, to train our hands for wars. It's, it's a testing of our metal. It's a testing of our courage. It's a testing of our heart. It's a test. He's not uh, looking at us and saying, I know you're going to fail this, so let me show you your failure. It's, let me show you the strength I've put in you. Let me show you the power and capacity I've placed in you. Uh, I'm going to test you, but it's a test of victory. It's a test of the power of the Lord where the others are terrified. He says they're raining coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur and scorching winds. So when I think back to, to my professor who talked about the abuse he went through as a child, well, he, he was tested greatly through that. And I'm not saying that the Lord did that test, but through that test, he was brought to a place where he learned to trust in the Lord. Part of that outcome caused him to go into the very field that he was in, helping people who had been sexually abused. And now he has a great ministry that's national and international, touching thousands of lives. He went through a test and he came out victorious. He came out knowing what verse 4 tells us, that the Lord is in his holy temple, that you can flee to him. When it says the Lord is in the holy temple, verse 4, and the Lord's throne is in heaven, he's speaking about the sovereign greatness of God, the omnipotence, the power of God, that he's unchanging. He doesn't change his ways. He's, he's, he's secure. You can come to him and have that security in that dark hour of your life. When those arrows are being shot at you, you have that throne room to come to. Uh, he, he is absolutely unchanging, and it also would suggest to us that he's unlimited, and we know that, that his power is unlimited, his love is unlimited, his grace is unlimited, his goodness is unlimited, his mercy is unlimited. We find this at that throne room of grace. His eyes test to see that we would come into that place. But look at this. But uh, those who are, are not being tested as righteous, but those who are wicked and ungodly, they're, they're, they're not going to go through just a test. They're going to be terrified. They're, they're going to be triumphed over they're, they're going to be terrified to the place where they're brought down, coals upon their head. These are words that are used to describe hell in much, much of Scripture. It's, it's going to be a hellish re- life for them unless they repent and turn to the Lord. You see, our darkness lasts for a moment, but then joy comes in the morning where the wicked and the evil, they, they may seem to triumph for a short season, but the end is conviction and pain and sorrow and doubt and self-hatred and self-loathing uh, a sense of corruption, a sense of hopelessness and despair. And, and not only that, just the absolute judgment of God. That's, David says, the Psalms say, this is the portion of my cup. This is, this is the, the life they have to drink. And then he concludes by saying, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds and the upright in heart shall behold his face. When I speak about my professor and when I speak about my grandmother, I'm seeing people in my mind who have beheld the face of the Lord who went through the fire, who went through the trial and came out as triumphant. They came out in the victory 
that God has for them. They did not let the test uh, defeat them. They ran into that place where God gives them strength and power, that omnipotent power, that unrelenting power, that unlimited power. He would grant that to them. And my grandmother, she triumphed. She, she passed that test with flying colors. My professor, he passed that test with flying colors. And I'm here today to preach this word to you because I know you can pass this test. You can pass through that moment of darkness. You can pass through that season of trial and tribulation. You can pass through those arrows that are fling, flung against you, that are shot against you, causing you to be alarmed. Why am I in a dark place? And instead of getting out of that dark place, arrows are coming even more fiercely at me, will know that God has his hand on your life. He has a purpose for you. He, that testing is going to bring you out in greater, as I said earlier, greater strength, power, greater courage, because the Lord is righteous, and he loves the righteous deeds. Even the righteous deeds that we do when we're in that moment of darkness, where we're not, in, where we're not giving up, where we're not giving into sin, where we're not looking for other sources of life, but the righteous deeds in that moment of darkness, in that moment of arrows being flung against us, that, that is where we... We, we find the place of, of being uh, encompassed by the Lord, His hand protecting, watching over us. He loves the righteous deeds when we're in that time of, and season that He can point to us and say, look at my servant. In the midst of that arrow, in the midst of that darkness, he stood strong, they had faith, they ran, they fled to the Lord, to that holy temple of the Lord. And then it says here in closing, the upright shall behold his face. Here's really what the psalmist wants. He, he, he can endure that dark night. He can endure that difficult season. He can endure those arrows being shot against him if he has this, that he gets to behold the face of the Lord. Just to see that the psalmist later says, just better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. Just to see your face, to, to see the light of his countenance upon you. God wants you to have that today, my friend. He wants you to come in a place, whether you've just come out of a season or whether you're just going into one, whether you're triumphing over your difficulties or you're in the middle of a test that's causing you great pain and sorrow and suffering in your soul, wherever you find yourself, God, God is saying to you today, flee from that place, flee from that fear, flee from that despondency, flee from that discouragement and run into your, to, to God's presence, that holy temple where you find his unlimited power available to you and you behold his face. In doing so, it leads you to Psalm chapter 91, and that'll be a, a ways ahead of us when we begin to study that chapter as we go chapter by chapter. But, but let me close by reading Psalm chapter 91, verse 5. It's, uh, let's, let's start from verse 1, actually. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with the pinions of his wings, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Listen to this. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day nor the pestilent that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A, th a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High your refuge. You see, you look to that countenance, you look to that place, you look to that refuge, and God sees you through, no matter what you might ever come through, and you won't fall. You, you may go through that valley, but you won't fall. God bless you, and I pray that uh, as we close in this word of prayer that God will speak directly to your heart and cause you to see that he's with you no matter what you're going through today. Father, I thank you 
in the name of Jesus that you give life to those who are who are suffering. You give joy to those who are in despair. You give hope to those who feel hopeless. And I just ask for the grace would would fall upon them, Lord, to receive from you today, to receive from you today the good things you have for them. And my prayer goes out to all those who are finding themselves in this dark season, for those who are being shot with arrows of accusation, shot with arrows of, of abuse, shot with arrows of fearful events that are taking place in their life. God, I thank you that you'll bring them out and you'll bring them to that place where they have not only your presence, but they have gone through the test and found the victory of strength and courage. We give thanks for this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.